0: You are listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast, the show for first-time leaders, for that moment in your career when the buck stops with you. This is your window into the world of how to lead successfully. Now, over to your host, James Nagel. Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, James Nagel. And today, my guest is Erhard Schuvel. And we're going to talk about why business success is all about people and culture, a topic that he feels so strongly about that he's writing a book. But first of all, let me tell you a little bit about Earhart. He was one of the key figures in the Wreck-It success story, leading a huge transformation over his 27 years there, starting with Benckiser and then post the merger. At RB, he was famous for his simple direct management style and his question, what is the number? which kept everybody focused on the business. Now, since 2006, he has not rested on his laurels. Just to mention a few of his board and investor roles. He was chairman of Birdseye Igloo. He has served on the board of directors of Cody since 2007. And he's an angel investor in e-commerce with Leverando, the leading e-commerce site. He ha- now lives in Berlin. He a city he chose for its dynamism, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. So it's my pleasure to introduce Erhard.
1: Thank you very much, James. It's a pleasure for me to talk to you. As you said, I'm living in Berlin. I've chosen Berlin because it's so challenging, and you know I'm now seventy-two years old. I need everyday challenge. I think we all need everyday challenge. And uh uh, my wife and I have been living now for 13 years after I have lived before in Milan, in The Hague, in London, in Zurich, uh, and I can say now Berlin is, from all the cities, the most challenging because it's the most moving. Uh, so we love it, and I get every day a new experience. That's what I need, and we all need every day a new experience.
0: Look, great—a great sentiment to start the to start the show with. I mean, from my side, just to give our personal connection. So you were one of the big bosses in, in Recap and Kieser when I was one of the the worker bees at at Global Headquarters. And you, in fact, were the one who offered me uh, the job as marketing director in Russia, which is something that was really transformative for, for my life. But the reason I wanted you on the show um, is that, you're frankly respected by all the people that I liked at the company, so uh, it's, it's it's really a pleasure. So let's start with with the book, in fact, um, because that's what got us back in con- back in contact. What, what's the motivation for you to write a book?
1: Yes, chips. It's a very good point. Um, let's that the the main motivation is I'm now. Forty-five years in business, and out of these 35 years, uh, thirty-five years in leading functions, as you said, as channel manager of different countries, as SVP, EVP, and partially also a CEO. You might not know, in Eclu Eye and also as active chairman, long time, nine, nine years in Bertha joined different boards. Uh, interesting enough, not just detergent business. I have. Worked at boards for luxury business like companies like Chimbychu, and school business I was chairman and uh, for the biggest uh, German private school organization. In a nutshell, a broad experience with different businesses all over the globe, and uh, the and what I learned with this and all this to sum it up was. The most important stuff in business is people and culture. It might have some value to help young managers to avoid big errors, but moreover, to increase their business performance. I don't want to write a scientific book. I want to write a book with clear examples and also with the help of other people, uh, managers I know, they together with me should give the experience to younger ones to improve their business. That's the motivation.
0: No, that look, that all makes perfect sense. And I, I really like the fact that you're aiming for having something that's practical advice uh, relevant to people and that they can use directly, uh, which is in fact exactly what I try to do with this. You know, people like to listen yeah. to conversations and not, not, to read, not to read theoretical books. So, You've been, as you say, a leader of leaders for a long time and you've got a whole selection of people who've who've in fact gone on to have great careers. But I am really curious to understand how you approach the selection of those people. What what did you look for? If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to test your own readiness for the hot seat, then take the Leadership Readiness Scorecard. Details in the show notes and on swimnotsync.com
1: my credo is people and culture. And the most important part a top manager has is to select the right people. And the right people should fit with, with the culture, but also clearly also with the performance issues of a company. So if I divide the two parts, if you select people, the first part is the easier one, much easier one. I had an old boss you might know, Mr. Barbecht. He told me once, you know, you can train even a monkey a lot of things, but you cannot train in culture. And uh, you know, there is some truth in it. So in the interview for me, business skills is easy to check. History, other people have checked him. Outside consultant had checked the candidate, so it's easier. But to find out the the culture. Is much more difficult. Clearly, I had my own techniques to find it out, but it, it, it was more at the end of feeling. And this feeling, a channel manager should ever always have. And if he has it in the stomach, the guy is good, uh, is is maybe perfect even from the business skills, but something is wrong. He should not hire him because that's a cultural part. There's something he is not fitting with the company. I know, uh, with all my experience, uh, James. Afterwards, if you have hired somebody which was not fitting with the culture, it was a disaster for him and for the company. And uh, uh, therefore, this part is so important. So, for me, in the selection process, this cultural part is is absolutely key. I've seen many people. Which I have to dismiss because they were not fitting with the culture, which were successful in other companies. That means our error was yeah. not taking care too much about the culture. By the way, not many companies have a real culture, but uh, let's assume they have a culture. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> and and I heard one after you selected them and they were in market, and as you say, you would you would meet them, you know, during your country visits. What what was the sort of support that you gave them, and and what did you see was most effective?
1: This one word: directness. My business attitude, and I think it's still valuable for for managers. I was very direct with managers. I was not. Um, uh, let's let's assume there was a, a bad presentation. I was not telling the guys. Look, it was a, a nice approach. First approach was not was quite okay, but you have to. I was telling you that it was total terrible. It was not worth it to listen. And with the most dramatic words, I could sell it. I tell it. And afterwards, I was drinking a beer with the guys and explaining also again what was going wrong. I was not telling them only what was going wrong. I was giving all them help and how to improve. that's a part of business skills. This one you can train. Directness, and every time you see something is going wrong, you have to directly give the people the help, what was going wrong, and give them an idea on how to improve. On the other hand, also, if something is going very well, it's the same, it's also training. You have to train them. The other part is, you know, that depends very much on the culture of the companies. In my view, companies which give people a lot of freedom to act, they have to accept that these people might do errors. And then you have to discuss about the errors, but not in a negative part, also in a positive part. And this is another big part of the training program, that you detect the errors people are doing, helping them, and that you do not do it twice, and learning out about it and helping the company in the future even more. I think that are the for me the main points that you are always direct, open-minded, uh, not personal, on the facts oriented, and you know I could be very very tough with people, but afterwards drinking beer, and I never have noticed people were negative about this afterwards. I have so many people now I'm meeting ten years, twenty years after. Who, who like this part in particular.
0: That directness that you talk about, which is very true of you, do you feel that that's common?
1: Uh, and that depends very much on on the culture at the company and also uh, who you are representing this culture. If the people believe you, that you are it honest and, and, and helpful, it's not a problem. If they feel you're damaging them, it's a big disaster. I give you an example. I had a fantastic channel manager in Greece, Nondas Gerolympos. I can name the name because he was a, a hero afterwards. And we had a meeting, and uh, the business was not doing very well. Even he was an experienced man, he was not the youngest, he was experienced. The reason for this was he had a terrible team. And why did he have a terrible team? Because he had fear that if he hires two good people, he might lose his job. And now we're coming about business skills. I was talking to him. I said, "Nondas, not us. My friend, not us. Mm-hmm. You have a big problem here. I ask you, change. Hire the best people you can, the best people you can. And you will see business will go up. And you will be afterwards a hero. It was exactly the case. He was hiring for, for for Greece. Damn, damn good people. The business was going up. He was exporting his people to headquarter. And many people, which you all still now, uh, take a big business career in the company. Out of this meeting, and he himself, you know, he could be, as the general mentioned, a little bit more relaxed because he had the best people working for him, doing the work very well. And if they have, they didn't want to be channel managers, they want to get in other countries and, be, and get the other experience. So the good business is always related to the channel manager. And if he is so stupid to think uh, he, he must block in good people below him because otherwise he will do his job, it's totally wrong on how to go.
0: And in that case, Erhard, did he resist it all, or did he immediately you pointed it out to him? Did he accept it and and, and go with your advice?
1: I don't you know. That's always a process. It goes not by once. I, I it, but it goes. It, it, it went very fast. I have to say. Uh, uh, he, he had considered it, and then afterwards he has he called me and said, I, have, I think that was not a stupid idea. I will go for it."
0: And is it fair to say that you're a you're a big believer? In the general manager role, in that central position, and how important it is for an organization to get that one role correct.
1: Yeah, look, I, I totally, I totally uh, committed to, to to the to to general managers and and the function of general manager. And um, uh, it's a, uh, you know I was EVP, I was SVP, but my best job was as general manager in Italy. Why? I was coming in the morning at this office. There was, was my rich, and I could decide, I could do, and I had a company who allowed me to do. So I, I had all the freedom to, to do. And, uh, and by the way, I, I have been asked, uh, James, from young channel managers or want to be channel managers who we are on the edge to be a channel manager. If I now go on the job, what should I do? How should I approach this? I I have a very simple answers for this. The first answer is they are always a, little, a little bit surprised. That stay as you are. Don't don't try don't try to play another role. It will not work. Is is wrong. Second, if you are channel manager, you are number one, and number one set the scene. And number one, a channel manager uh, is responsible for the company culture. And if he's doing wrong in the company culture, it's wrong in the entire organization. So that's the next part. The third part is talk, talk, talk. If you're a channel manager, don't sit in your office. Work on your emails, at least at the beginning. The first three months, talk. Talk to all people. Talk to your clients. Talk to t- talk to everybody around it. Don't do decisions at the beginning. Talk, learn, and afterwards you can start to do decisions. But and you could should also continue for the, for your business career. Uh, not to be isolated in a uh, uh, in a in a big um, war room you should be outside and talking to people, the starting point for a general manager. And if they're reflecting this in their day-to-day business, it's good.
0: Great, there's two things that that, that come to my mind from your, your comment about how you enjoyed Italy and being you a know, general manager there. So the first is that I always, when I'm talking to people who are taking on these roles, I always encourage them to enjoy it because they've probably spent 15 to 20 years to get there. Uh, now they're there, it's important to actually enjoy the experience of it and not to be borne down by the responsibility. So that's one thing that uh, I'm glad you brought up that you enjoy, You were actually able to enjoy that role. Moving, moving on in the discussion. After that, as you say, you became SVP, EVP. You've moved higher and higher. Tell me about some of the sink or swim moments in your career.
1: The most terrible points are if you feel you're stagnating and you're not going forward anymore. And even more, if you recognize colleagues of you which you think are not better than you are moving ahead or your business is not doing so well, you have bad feelings and you know politics and whatever. My learning is, and uh, I had terrible times also, if that is the case, if you you are unsure, do one thing, focus 100% on business. Don't talk and think about politics, about your colleagues or whatever. Focus on your own business, even more than before. Also with fun, not with anger, not with, let's say, being angry, Focus on the business is fun, and try to do the best business you can, and you will see at the end it will be honored, and you will get what you wanted to get a little bit later than, or but you will get it. And I can in my business career, I had at least two milestones where I was on the edge—not maybe not to be kicked out, but to be stagnating and not being in the, in the best in the best situation. And always, I I was really insisting for myself, uh, think about, forget all this politics, left, right, center, focus on business, and that helps. I was even a little bit more risk-taking at that given point. Uh, I'll give an example. It's always nice to have examples. You know, there were times in in Bankheiser where uh, it was quasi forbidden to invest in advertising. Once I, I have seen an advertising campaign for one of my brands uh, as channel manager in Germany, and I said, okay, that's that's the best advertising which I have seen so far. I will now invest like hell. So I was putting all my yearly money in three months and putting it on air, and, I, and it was growing like crazy. And um, and I was continuing this without having a budget. My boss at that time called me and said, yeah, "What you are doing? You are spending more as already in April as you have spent for the whole year." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I told him, "Have you seen the numbers?" He said, "Yes." Go on. Don't try. Don't try to make politics. Don't try to be negative about colleagues. Don't try to be negative about your boss. Don't do these things. They will they hindering you even more. That is totally wrong. Focus on the business.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that rings true to the culture that you created in that it was low politics and, and high focus and v- very simple, very transparent in what we were trying to do. But for you personally, in the tough times, beyond digging in and, uh, and looking at your own courage, did you reach out? Did you rely on other people, on, on mentors or other supporters or advisors? What, what did you do beyond your self-help?
1: Honestly, uh, not so much uh, uh, mentors outside. My wife was the help because uh, uh, she could give me also good, um, uh, good advice because she was coming from outside, not understanding from business, but understanding from life. And that was the help. And one or two times I had really outside for me, by myself, very much respected uh, uh, friends, which I g- could give a call and given that uh, and having that advice. But in turn, the company was was not the case.
0: Now, looking forward beyond your executive roles, w- when we were chatting earlier, you said that you find the transition to the non-exec roles quite challenging. Can you talk?
1: Can you talk to that? All right. You know, my, my nickname in in, in many companies was, was Street Fighter. And the Street Fighter, Street Fighter being a board is not a good idea. <laughs> I don't, it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. No, but uh, uh, it was a huge change for me. You know I think coming back to the channel manager functions. What I tell telling channel managers always is, uh, strategy is important. Yes. But honestly, the big companies, the, change, the difference of, of, of strategies is very minor. Isn't it huge? Where the rubber meets the road is implementation. We are really implementing better than others. And that has to do with people and culture a lot. Implementation is king. And now you are sitting in a board you're talking mainly about strategies, not so much about implementation. You can give ideas about implementation, but you cannot do it. Mm-hmm. And for me, seeing in the board sometimes that implementation is not done in a way I would have done it makes me very, made me very, very nervous, I have to say. And I have to really cool down. And I have to learn it over time. That's not helping that I'm... Uh, as an advisor in a board, are doing it like it. I've done it as a director uh, responsible. It's, it's a huge of difference. The you had to change? It was a tough learning for me. I tell you, it's still not really. I, I, I'm now 16 years in boards. It's still not done. I, 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 I'm, I'm better than before, but I'm still. I, to be honest, I'm. I, I could do. I could do better in this. So Maybe I'm not. Ad, I'm not advisor per se. So. <laughs>
0: So if they used to call you a street fighter when you began, w- what would they call you today?
1: Oh, that, that, that's a good question. Uh, I, I would say not, nothing anymore about this. Uh, they want to call me a football fan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, look, you may have covered this already. I'm not sure if you have any more to add, but where I'm trying to work very much is people who are just about to become general managers, or who are in their first uh, first GM role. So, w- what are your advices for those people? They should go with
1: optimism and fun in this job. I tell you, for me, there was to be just, You, you are number one. How fantastic it is! And you can help people. You can you can improve the business. Uh, you you can choose your people. Uh, you uh, you have um, uh, money to spend more than any private situation. Yeah, 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 it's a fantastic it's a fantastic job. It's it's great, but it's also very challenging because the step from number two to number one is huge. It's huge, because a number one is a number one. It's not uh, uh, between a number two and a th- number three. It's not the difference between number two and number one. Number one is. Sets the scene. He is responsible about the company. He is responsible about the culture in the company. He is responsible how people are acting in the company. He is respons- responsible that people are making money or not money. He is responsible that people are losing their job or not losing their job. And that is, is a huge responsibility, but you can be better than others. You can, you can prove yourself. You can prove the entire company. It's a, it's a fantastic job. And I said earlier, if you go to this, the key stuff, gentlemen, to never, 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 ever forget, is take care of our people and choose the best people you can. That's my main. T- that's I think from, I can tell a lot of things, but that is most, most, most important. Look, I I, I remember uh, once uh, I I was flying to Hong Kong to do an interview with somebody and flying home it was 20 hours or more in the in the plane and a lot of what the cost were for this huge but it paid out because this candidate would have never ever been the possibility to come to london at the time would not be possible and the fact that one was coming to him was already a huge a huge benefit I say it again. It's the most important thing for a gentleman is to take care of our people.
0: The way you've said it, and the fact that you you still recall the twenty hours flight to uh, to Hong Kong, gives it big credibility. So, Erhard, as we as we come to the end of, maybe it's nice to go back to Berlin and and what you were talking about at the start. You're full of energy. You love new stuff. Every day, something different. What's next for you? Uh, what are the ambitions you still have and maybe you want to talk about the foundation
1: I have created with my family uh, a foundation in 2010 uh, and I think we have now a foundation, the name is Chance. the target is to train uh, young immigrant children in German language after now 10 years we are the biggest social foundation regarding uh, uh, language training for, for migrant children we are one of the only foundations which have a tested program. We have transferred all the business learning into the social part. Uh, we, uh, I think, we have uh, created the important training program for childrens and on, on, on how to train the trainers and uh, the educators. Uh, and. This brings also a lot of fun. Target for this, for me, for my family, is to make it bigger and bigger. And the first target we have reached, we have now aligned with the German, uh, uh, with the Berlin government, and it's now paid mainly from the Berlin government. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, now we are in several other cities in, in Germany and regions, and we, we are trying to 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 increase this furthermore. That's one we want to do. And the second, you know. After I have stopped working, I got a real fan of uh, of uh, of startups. Because why why is this? First of all, I got a lot of learnings. I got a lot of learnings because um, you know in, in ten years ago, and the big companies you were talking about we have to be digital, we have to go in the, uh, we have to have a digital department also. And the startups from the beginning, since I joined them in 2009 or so, they were digital, nothing else, and they were working on this. And I got so much learnings for myself, but the the nice stuff is also some of the old techniques and uh, essentials in business are also important for the startups. So it was a taking and a giving, and I love this, and I love to be together with young people. I was an investor, several of those. Some were flops, some were very successful, and I'm still investing. Keeps me learning new things and helps me or give me a chance to transfer my business experience to others.
0: Erhard, that was look a real pleasure. I think for me, you're a personal inspiration also when I look at you in your 70s. It seems like your best years are ahead of you, and that reminds me of my own father. He was the same. His best decade was his seventies. So, <laughs> I leave you with uh, that. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's great. I hope you. I hope you're right. So, Earhart. Thank you. It was a pleasure, Chips. All the best for you. You've been listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast. Subscribe at swimnotsink.com/podcast.